we're bringing people on to give us leverage and do things that we cannot do ourselves. You cannot be better than everybody in your business at everything or every single thing that the company does, or literally you're a team of one. I think there's beauty in that though, because that's where the innovation happens because they do think differently to you. They are going to see things differently and they are going to see things through different eyes because of the tasks that they're doing. As small businesses, that's an opportunity for us to be able to try different things to make it better. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to today's episode of Influence by Design. I'm your co-host for today, Samantha Riley, and joined this week with the lovely Tim Hyde. How are you today, Tim? Sam, I'm looking to your moments of unbridled genius on today's show. Uh, <laughs> and we're good. I'm good. Uh, it was actually great to see you in person for the first time in ages over the weekend. In a really long time. It was great to catch up with you and your lovely wife, Penny, and have a lovely meal and have some great chats. And I think that this is kind of coming off the back of, or what we're talking about today is coming off the back of your short trip up to our lovely area of Australia, where you had a situation at a service station. Do you want to just share that story? Because I love that you sent it straight through to me and I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I don't know what's going on with me because I've sort of become acutely aware of, of customer service lately. Right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the breakfast we went out. You know, Penny ordered a side of uh, a side of um, avocado, avocado. <laughs> half an avocado for seven dollars. <laughs> yeah. like... It was the dearest avocado in Noosa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on the on the way back, a couple of things happened. I got a I got a, a message uh, on Facebook um, to an inquiry I'd made of a restaurant um, in December last year. Now, you know, as we record this, we're now in June. Uh, I said. I think the message to that restaurant was, you know, are you BYO wine? Because I was taking a mate from New Zealand out for dinner. And they didn't reply, and I didn't think much of it. We didn't know to dinner anyway, and we just dealt with it. Right? Um, six months later, so literally, in fact, it's six and a half months later, I got a message, I think that's that same day that we had breakfast, saying, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, sorry, we are not. Right on. We are no. It wasn't even that. It was we are not sorry. Yeah, without no, no, punctuation. Not, not, we are not sorry. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I had to read it a few times. You showed me that message, and I did have to read it a few times. <laughs> oh, come on. And my reply to them was, "Well, so you don't check this very often, do you?" <laughs> right. So you know, look. Example of. I mean, you, you know, someone's an idiot when they open their mouth and they confirm they are. Um, and, and this was one of those cases, you know, the customer service is really bad when they open their mouth and confirm that it was the case. But we, uh, we're dropping our hire car back to the airport and, um, you know, when you pull your car up before you take it back to the hire place, right? Otherwise, they charge you absurd amounts of money for it. And get out of the car. And literally, there's a guy standing there opening up our thing, opening up our uh, petrol, you know, thing and, and, and filling it up for us. I'm gone. And I'm like, I'm just... I was absolutely dumbfounded. 
for a moment because I think the last time I went to a service station and had actual service would have been 30 years ago, maybe 35 years ago when I first started driving. And even then it wasn't a very common thing that you went to a service station and an attendant actually filled your car up for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just become a kind of lost art. And I was actually really surprised. He was he was happy and bubbly and, you know, he actually went and cleaned the windscreen as well and Whoa. He said, oh, you know, just go in. Like full on seventies and eighties service. Seventies, you know, sixties, seventies, like service. And he actually he said, you know, just jump in and, and you know, you're on um, you know, uh, Bowser number four and away you go. And I'm like, wow, this is actually super impressive. But, you know, as is this, you know, this polar opposites in customer experience, one completely unresponsive and the other one so far out of my normal range of ex, you know expected experience that I just had to get on social I'm like da, 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 da. right this is share what's the going story on. yeah okay share the story now sure is sure as shit that 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 attendant was not told exactly what to do right he wasn't told to smile at us he wasn't told or scripted down to this is how you greet customers. Mm-hmm. Now, it was given the opportunity to say, hey, we want to create a really awesome customer experience. Your role is to do that as a as the station attendant. Go for it. Mm. Within that, that's what you need to create. Yeah, because you can't force someone to show up like that. That is that is the, the way that that employee shows up. You can certainly create a culture that fosters that, but you can't force someone to be like that. Um, and I think that when you told me this story, it it brought up a conversation that you and I had around innovation and how we can innovate in our business to really stand out because in a world that we're going into where there's a lot of AI coming out, there is, you know, like you were saying before, there's this time where we all need to adopt this because it's the way that it's going to go. But at the other end of the spectrum, it could make all of these businesses, I don't know, be cookie cutter or very vanilla or all sort of look and sound and feel the same. So what do we need to do in our businesses to innovate? And in the story that you were just sharing, also bring in or foster a culture of entrepreneurship in our business with our team so that we can really stand out and innovate. Yeah, I think there's something, the the idea of entrepreneurship itself, right? mm-hmm. and, and if you're not familiar with the, the concept of entrepreneurship, it's basically someone who kind of runs a, a business within your business. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're given the authority to kind of create and innovate in the same way that we as entrepreneurs create and innovate to solve a problem for our customers Mm-hmm. Yeah, an entrepreneur is someone who works within your business to solve, and you know, <laughs> problems that you, the entrepreneur, has in your business. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really interesting idea to kind of foster culturally in your business, because you suddenly get this, you know, this opportunity to, I guess, do things differently and do things more effectively uh, and increase your productivity and ultimately your profits. Absolutely. I think for a lot of business owners, there's a lot of people that come to me and they say that, you know, they do things better than other people. And this is why they don't want to delegate or they don't want to give things to their team. There is a certain amount of um, 
I don't know that courage is the right word, but you know, you kind of need to be a little bit confident in yourself to be able to give your team free reign. But when you can, there's, you know, a lot of innovation that can happen because they think differently to you. I know this is something that uh, we, I say we, me, and I've had a couple of business partners. I've been lucky enough that all of my business partners have always been uh, okay with this. And I know that in our business right now that we wouldn't be doing what we're doing if our team didn't take ownership of their roles and really bring forward, hey, you know, we're seeing that that we've got a big opportunity here. Can we try this? And we do allow them to do it. And they're amazing because the more we give them free reign or the space to be able to try new things, the more they do try new things. But you shared a story just earlier, Tim, of a company that isn't allowing their team to to try new things. And it, it fosters this fear within the business. Yeah, I think that it's it's really an interesting thing to look at, right? You know, if you're a micromanager, just embrace it and go with it for a start. Okay. Yeah. Don't if you are a micromanager, don't expect your team to show initiative in getting things that need to be done, right? Because mm. they will literally be sitting there waiting for you to instruct them what to do and how to do it, and then they'll it'd be like a light switch, right? You turn it on and turn it off. Okay. And if that's what you want from your employees, turn on, do the thing, turn off, right? Great. If you're if you don't want that for your business, if you want your employees to come to work uh, and take initiative, right, and make your life potentially easier for you to ultimately get out of it, it's a very different um, business that you're creating in terms of the culture. Okay, and you've got to look at that. And I think it's important to think my employees will make mistakes. How I respond to those, those mistakes will define whether I foster that entrepreneurship and innovation or not. Mm. Because if you sort of shut someone down, the culture is, well, I won't try again. Mm-hmm. If you Because go, I don't want to get in trouble. Because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get it wrong. But if you allow and potentially almost encourage mistakes, mm-hmm. all right, within constraints, obviously. Mm. But if you allow people and say, okay, well, you know, we didn't get the outcome we were looking for, how else could we do that differently next time and actually kind of work with your team? I think you'll find that they become better at getting you the outcome you want. They just might Mm. go via a different path. Mm -hmm. I think there's beauty in that though, because that's where the innovation happens because they do think differently to you. And our team are normally, you know, at the coalface. And so they are going to see things differently and they are going to see things through different eyes because of the tasks that they're doing. And I think that as small businesses, that's an opportunity for us because, you know, you've got a big business and and something will happen at boardroom level and it will filter down through all the different management and all of a sudden it gets down to the bottom and it's like oh my goodness you can tell that you know the uh the management have never been in this position or in front of the customers because this is impossible to do you know that's Mm. that's generally how big business works but as a smaller business we don't have that situation so we've got so much more opportunity to be able to try different things to make it better 
I um one of my early mentors in project management used to describe it as as wearing the shit umbrella. Okay, your job your job is to wear the shit umbrella between your team and and the customer. Right, we expect things to go wrong and not necessarily a plan. Right, it might be a deliverable that wasn't done or an email that wasn't sent or you know someone had another priority for the day and and maybe we just didn't communicate it. But my job is to stand between the customer and and my team who are doing the work for that client, not just to get out the way and point fingers at them and say, well, it was their fault. Right? And we do see that, right? You know when when it happens, you know, you, you see that in in all sorts of other businesses. Um, if you sort of start to pay attention and go, oh well, so and so did that and it was their fault, right? Or I will take responsibility for this, even though it's not my issue, and I'll endeavor to get that resolved for you, mm-hmm, dear customer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's a very different culture, and I think it actually again fosters that innovation. It doesn't mean you, you know, you won't go back into your team and say, okay, look, we didn't get the outcome we were looking for there. Um, you know, we need 100%. to look at we need to look at how we do this better next time because it will come up next time. Of course. And I was just actually having a conversation with one of my team members this week who's relatively new to the team and quite clearly the environment that they came from previously was an environment of blame and finger pointing mm-hmm. because we had an issue go um, a little bit off track with a with a client this week. We just didn't communicate that, uh, you know, there's some timeframes that they were expecting we had to shift for a number of different reasons. And, you know, they came back and said, oh, am I going, do I still have a job? Am I going to be fired? I'm like, I don't even know why you're thinking like that because yeah, that's yeah. not how we yeah. work, right? We're going to take a look at what went wrong. We're going to review that and we're going to make sure that our procedures are in place so that we don't have that same issue again. Yes. And how do you, how do, not how I do really, how do you suggest that we get a better outcome next time? Mm-hmm. There is so much gold in there that I just want to go back and touch on it ever so slightly because there was a lot of value there. Number one, you want the team member to be able to come back and openly have that conversation of what they think should or shouldn't be happening. Number two, giving them the space to know that it's okay to make mistakes. But number three, what procedures need to be put in place so it doesn't happen again? Like there's just so much there. Yeah, I think probably the most powerful one is like, how do you think we should get a better mm. outcome next time? Mm. Not how do I do it, right? And the mm. reason we bring team on into our business, whether it's their first employee, whether it's still 50th and 500th employee, we're bringing people on to give us leverage and do things that we cannot do ourselves. Mm. And at a certain point, certainly by your 500th employee, you're, they're probably doing stuff that you've got no idea how to do. They're yeah. absolutely better at the thing that they do than you are. You cannot absolutely. be better than everybody in your business at everything or every single thing that you know the company does or literally you're a team of one. Um, and they'll always come back to you, right? We need to kind of, if we're going to grow and scale our business and achieve some of the lifestyle goals that we're trying to wrap our business around to kind of create, we need to trust other people to deliver uh, an outcome that we can't do and we need to create a culture that fosters them to be able to do so, whether it's an innovation or whatever, whether it's something as simple as how do you greet people when they pull their car up for you to put petrol in them. Mm, mm. Tim, what's uh, an example of a way that you've fostered entrepreneurship within your team 
maybe some way that they've innovated, no matter how big or, or seemingly small it is? What's an example that you can give us? I think some of the stuff that I that I really try to do, and you know, this is a culmination of uh, a lifetime of working, you know, for other people. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had sort of been fortunate to work for good bosses and some absolutely horrible ones. And I think mm-hmm. if you're a just as a go down a rabbit hole here, I think if you're a parent who's got a kid interested in working in your business, you should absolutely send them out to work for other people. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. They're gonna they're gonna learn what it's like, what a good boss yep. is like, and what a bad boss is like. But I think the the coming back to your question, Sam, I think that some of the things that I I like to encourage people is is like you know this is the outcome I'm looking for. Let's have a conversation about how you think we can get there. You come up with a plan mm-hmm. on how we do this, right? So we're almost creating micro CEOs of their role, right? Mm-hmm. And a CEO isn't just you know, usually when you're a CEO of a, of a bigger company, you have a board. A board sets some objectives. The CEO goes away and works with their leadership team to come up with a plan. And they go back to the board and say, board, here's our plan. Do you ratify this? Yes. And then you go and manage the plan. Yeah. Right? We almost need to do the same thing with our team members as well and, and go, I am the board. In this case, I'm going to go to my team members and say, team member, I need to be able to, to do this outcome come up with a plan about how you are going to achieve that outcome in your role and I will approve that and then you're going to go and do and execute it. And I think mm-hmm. something just as simple as that, going, it's not my job to tell you how to do your role. It's my job to show you what success looks like, mm-hmm. give you the tools that you need to succeed and then largely get the hell out of your way. Yeah. Do you know what I love about this so much is that the way you describe that is very similar to the way I would have described it, which surprise, surprise, that's obviously why you and I get along so well. But um, a specific example of this in our business is that we were using a project management software when we only had a team of me, Leon, and one other person. What was coming up a couple of years later as we had more and more team members that they weren't... They were struggling to use this project management system. It wasn't working for a bigger team. So rather than me go and research everything, I threw it to them and went, will you guys find something? And they worked together and they found something that would work for them. Now, what was great about that is, A, I didn't have to do it, but B, they're the ones that are using it. Why should I step in and give them something that works for me? It doesn't need to work for me. It needs to work for them. So I allowed them to go and find something that would work for the way that they want it to work, means that they use it properly, but they're also empowered as a team. So um, that's definitely a way that that we use, I guess, entre- you know, entrepreneurship in yeah. our business. It's just, those, it's just those little things. You know, if you, if you keep reinforcing and encouraging your team to do that, they feel emboldened to be able to do things Right, and take initiative within their scope of what we ask them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And absolutely. often we can actually get a better outcome than we would if we did it ourselves. Um, I would say nine point nine times out of ten, because we are the drivers of the vision. You know, we've got specific things in our business. I know that Dean Jackson says really the the place or the the thing that we should be doing in our business is talking. 
That's the only thing that we do that is different that no one else can do. You know, talking on podcasts, talking with with clients, but anything out of that, someone else can do. And we need to be empowering other people to be able to take our vision and you know and build something. Yeah, so like I, I guess- think this is this is ultimately what makes you a great leader and makes creates an environment that your employees want to come to work. Mm-hmm. Right? And give that little bit extra each time when they do. Yeah. yeah. Rather than coming to a place, you know, coming to a workplace where they go, I really don't want to go to work today. Or I'm going to do the bare minimum. Mm. The quiet quitting. The quiet quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I so for me I think that there's two takeaways from this conversation that we've had today. Number one, you do need to innovate in your business because you do need to have some sort of point of difference that that makes you different from your competitors or just other people in your industry. Uh, and number two, to foster this this uh, idea of entrepreneurship in your business so that your team takes ownership in moving that business forward. Yeah, I think that's the same for me and I'm, I've certainly noticed you know, in practice, the positive results that you get for that, you know, that you get from fostering that culture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In saying that, it doesn't always come easily. So if you're someone that's just new to having a team, it can require a lot of courage to actually let go and allow mistakes to happen. But 100% do that just allow the mistakes to happen yes some people might get a bit annoyed along the way but in the long term it will work for your business much better tim thanks for this conversation today i think it's a really important conversation because these are the things that that give us our point of difference and and that's what we're here to do yeah absolutely sam it's uh been a great pleasure to be back again and, and love sharing this kind of conversation awesome Thanks for listening today and we will catch you next Tuesday for another episode of Influence by Design. Ciao. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.